0: most would probably know what this is on the powerpoint these people that are listed here or shown here are to be admired they're to be admired in their own right because of the development that they caused within our nation and after all that's what a national memorial should be all about maybe you can think of some that you could put on put their face on your own personal Monument, your own personal uh, Mount Rushmore, we might we might say. In fact, in fact, what I'd like for you to do for just a second, as I'm talking, is take a quick moment and think back to the four faces that you would put on this monument if it was about your life and if it was about your existence in Christ, not just parents because they gave birth to you, though that is noteworthy, we're all glad for that. But I'm talking about spiritual entities, spiritual people who had great impact in your spiritual life, who who made contributions to your faith that some may be living and some may have passed on and gone on to the place that they were living to go to. Had it not been for this kind of individual in your life, you would likely not be the person that you are today. Had it not been for this kind of person in your life, you might not have had the spiritual feet, uh, foundation that you have today. This person helped you to grow, this kind of person pressed on you to be the best that you could be in uh, spiritual living, and in the kingdom of God in general. And you count yourself highly blessed to have known this person as you would put their face on your personal monument. Before I go any further, good morning. I mean, it's really good to see you. Uh, l- let me tell you, I know this better than you know this <laughs> about me being here today. Uh, if, uh, uh, if you didn't know, I've been suffering with uh, pneumonia that was brought on or brought through COVID. Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you here today, thankful that you've joined us, and if you have questions about who we are, what we are, uh, we would really encourage you to ask, And, uh, and maybe you're one that's watching online, we welcome you also. Uh, Nothing like uh, being cooped up and online watching services that remind you there's people who can't be here today and therefore they're watching online and how much we appreciate them joining in, all of you joining in uh, today as we worship. And if I could, I'd like to just take a couple of... A minute or so maybe two minutes if it's okay to give a personal thought that I would uh, uh, that I've been uh, wanting to give since I've been down and and out uh, I can honestly say there for a while I wasn't sure I was going to get to see any of you this side of time again and I'm not kidding about that uh, when the doctors won't admit you to the hospital and the hospitals won't take you and you honestly feel like you're going to die, uh, you kind of begin to wonder if uh, maybe you are going to die. And uh, so, uh, so I really do uh, want to say thank you for all of the- prayers that you have given. Uh, most of all, the mercy and the graciousness of God. After several weeks of having this pneumonia, I still have this lingering cough, just to let you guys know. The doctors have cleared me, but but the truth is, they said it may be six months before I'm over this cough. So if I have to stop and cough, it's not because COVID and I'm throwing it all out there on you. Uh, and pneumonia is no longer contagious, according to the authorities. So uh, it's just lingering, getting over what's going on inside the lungs. And uh, and so sometimes I have to stop and, and and I may have to stop and cough a little bit. Hopefully I won't have to do that, but just don't want everybody to be scared or uh, you know uh, go down on the floor or whatever. You know, like, ah. so I can I can see that in my in my mind. You know that image. But I do want to thank you all. Uh, you know, as I thank God for His mercy and grace, I thank you all for your uh, for your care for. Uh, me and Angie, while she's been down and even since she's been healthy, uh, you continued your your calls of thoughts, prayers, texts, food, all of that uh, for her as well as for me and I I do appreciate that so very much and thank each of you uh, from the bottom of our heart and uh, and to give praise to God for answering your prayers favorably uh, on my behalf and uh, that's not taken for granted. In fact, I've been telling people, you know, the fact that the doctors didn't do a whole lot for me, they just kept sending me back home and saying, well, you're just going to have to live or die through this. Uh, The fact of the matter is, uh, while some of you who had the same thing I have got into the hospital and you got this antiviral uh, medication, like intravenously, that helped you, uh, I can honestly say it's just prayers of brethren that helped me out. I didn't get any of that kind of care. Uh, And uh, I'm glad. that you did if that if you had the same thing and there's still some of our number that are suffering from the same kind of thing Uh, but I do it just shows you know it just shows in my mind the goodness and the and the uh, power of God at work uh, from not because of who I am but because of the prayers of God's people and I appreciate that so very much uh, on my behalf and on Angie's behalf when she was down with uh, COVID as well. Last Wednesday we celebrated Veterans Day And the reason we celebrate that day is because it is a day that reminds us of the blessings we have through these heroes who have lived and died on behalf of our country and our freedoms. Well, that's a pretty great thing. It's kind of like this monument, right? It's a pretty great national thing. We can honor as well those that we've known, that we talked about, who served as a profound and lasting impact in our life. We can think about those things also, right? You've got national remembrance. You've got personal, monumental remembrance. And those things are wonderful. In fact, you thought about the four people that you could put up here on this uh, this board, right? The spiritual helps in your life who pushed you to be better than you otherwise might have been. As we come to Hebrews chapter 11, we might say that we are privileged to be looking at God's Mount Rushmore, a grand monument built by a magnificent God who sees things from a perspective that we never would have thought to see. But He shows us these things for a real purpose. And we're going to understand as we go along together more and more why it is God sets up this memorial to our spiritual heritage. I want you to turn with me there, if you haven't already, to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to go to chapter uh, 12, uh, well, chapter 10, but I'm going to quote just briefly from chapter 12, we'll get there in a minute, but if you're turning there with me, I hope you are, look to chapter 10, that's really where we're going to begin our thoughts this morning. But in chapter 12, verse 1, God calls these people a great cloud of witnesses. They are life-changing people that we're talking about. These are the people who make us understand better what faith really is all about. Who are cheering us on, so to speak. They speak to us of how faith works. They tell us, don't quit. They tell us, don't despair, don't draw back. To quote verse 35 of chapter 10, if you're there already don't throw away your confidence rather they tell us to remember the great reward verse 35 goes on to say in your daily living don't throw away your confidence remember the great reward and how do we do that Now many may have various answers to that question, but the Hebrew writer has only one. Look at verse 36. It's noteworthy. You have need of, and here's the key word in this verse, endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Maybe you, like me, are in frequent need of understanding the value of our enduring life of true faith. Faith. The word endurance is an important word in that context. If you haven't already done it, you need to have that word highlighted or underlined because every time you see it, it should remind you about the kind of faith that you and I are to have. Enduring faith, he says, is what we all, are, what all readers are in need of. Rather than just emphasizing how hard life can be, I have to say, most people are professionals at that. Are you a professional at recognizing how difficult and how and how hard and how uh, pu- pushed down we often find ourselves? How how hard life can be. In fact, we read about that a little bit in Psalms chapter thirty-four of our scripture reading. I had not thought about this one, Nathan. Glad you read this verse, this, this passage, this morning. When the righteous cry for help, that's where some people stop. I'm crying for help. I've been crying for help. Help, help, help. What? The Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. You know what that is? That's faith at work. Power of God through faith. Look at the next verse. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You know what? That's a fact of life. We're sometimes brokenhearted. It happens. Some people only center on that. What does He say? He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Do you just stop there when you hear that? Yeah, it's so true. It's so hard. But, the Lord delivers Him out of them all. We'll touch on that a little bit more as we go on. It's beneficial and necessary, brothers and sisters, for each of us, God's children, God's family, to excel beyond the facts of a hard life. A difficult faith. A difficult situation that we might find ourselves in in our lives from time to time. To excel beyond that and rather also to emphasize how enduring we are through Christ. Look at verse 39 of Hebrews chapter ten. As we begin to go into chapter eleven, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. You see, that's what only emphasizing the difficulties and the hardness of faith and the difficulties of life do for us. They don't build us up. Yeah, it's a fact, and we recognize it, and we don't even we we don't cease from 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 even talking about it. That's fine. But that's not the end of the statement, you see. He goes on to say, but of those who have faith, to the saving of, maybe your version says, the the preservation of, as this version does, their souls. What does negativity do? It causes, according to this text, destruction. They're destroyed. What is it that the opposite of that does? The recognition of God and His place in our life through faith? What does that do? The saving or the preservation of the soul. Somebody said, I just don't know how to get out of this. I mean, I've been down and I just don't know how to get up. Well, that's how you get up. This is the text that tells us how to get up. This is the way to get up. So as we come to Hebrews chapter 11, we need to realize a couple of things out of this text. I don't think that one will work with no batteries in it. This one, okay, here we go. So, So looking there at Hebrews chapter 11, we don't see an exhaustive list. And that's the first thing to understand as we enter into this discussion in Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12 in this short series we'll be looking at. First thing to understand, it's not an exhaustive list. This is a simple sampling that God displays for us. His personal Mount Rushmore, you know, there's four faces on Mount Rushmore that represent all of the presidents and all of the national heroes that we have. It's just four. It's a simple sampling of our nation. Same is true here in Hebrews chapter 11. It's not meant to represent everybody. These are not the only ones out of all the Bible. And yet, even after the Scriptures were written, even still today, who are great heroes in the faith. It's just a simple sampling, that's all. The second thing we need to understand out of this text is that, uh, uh, that the, the people we're reading of here were not perfect people. But they lived through the power of Jesus Christ and, and their faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, if we just jump up there a little bit in the text that you're looking at. For by one offering He has perfected for all time. Recognize one thing about that statement. He's talking about human history. Not now, not just the past, but even in the future. Of all time. He says He has, important word, perfected for all time those who are sanctified and so we can emphasize how flawed we are, how hard life can be, and yet everyone have and then everyone have a big pity party about all of that. Commiserate together over all of this because it is sometimes a very true fact of life. But the Hebrew writer reminds us that should not be where everything ends. Remember, emphasizing our flaws, okay? But we might ought to also remember to emphasize how he has perfected those who are sanctified by his one offering. Oftentimes we're in the habit of emphasizing how we're sinners. Understand this text counteracts that very fact do not become sinners and become Christians and then remain sinners forever throughout all instances. The fact of the matter is as God looks at us, He sees us in perfect harmony with Him. Well, how does He do that? I mean, look at how I'm always messing up. How life is hard and I make mistakes. Sometimes I bring those problems even on myself through flat out rebellion against God. How is it That I can be perfect before God. The power of Jesus' offering overcomes our flaws. And it is true for them that we're looking at here in Hebrews 11. And it is true for us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the only reason that these men and women that we're reading of today are recorded in God's great book of life. It's what heroic faith can look like in your life and mine. It is the life of the child of God still today. And so read with me, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. From these verses, we can learn a couple of things. Faith looks both before us, ahead of us, and behind us. Think about what it is the writer is saying. Oftentimes we make it much harder than it's supposed to be. Verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We don't hope for things that are behind We hope for things that are yet to come. Things ahead of us, in other words. But faith also looks behind us. It utilizes knowledge from the past. For example, in verse 3, the universe was created by the Word of God. Out of nothing. Just a spoken Word of God. The power of God at work. It is in the past, but we believe it. And it creates faith within us recognizing the one who did it. So faith is the most reasonable thing that we could actually possess or better maybe way to say it is, faith is the most reasonable thing that possesses us as children of God. Because it stands upon both the future and the past. People talk about blind faith. That's ridiculous. Our faith has never been blind. Our faith has been Hebrews chapter 1, uh, chapter 11 verses 1 and 2. That's our faith. That describes our faith. Because it stands upon the future and the past. It's the kind of faith both they and we are expected to own, apply, and enjoy. The third thing that we can see out of this text in our initial thoughts from it is seen down in verse 6. Brother Sam quoted that this morning super important to the context of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would believe uh, would uh, draw near to God must believe that he is and that uh, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him some versions say diligently seek him and I like that it's not actually in the original but still those who seek him such things are, are not meant to be difficult for us. You know you, you know as well as I do, there's been volumes of books written on Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Why do we need volumes of books on that? It's not that hard, is it? It's not that difficult to be understand. Sometimes I think we can try to understand the wording of something and miss the whole point. I've done it myself, probably all of us have at times, in studying Scripture. What is the point? That we must believe... We must have faith. That's the point. And if faith is not working a difference in your life, brother or sister, then it isn't really faith. And that is a hard statement. But it's true. If it isn't changing you, then it isn't faith. It's some kind of counterfeit. Because faith changes the one it possesses. Without it, the Hebrew writer says, it is impossible to please Him. And it is this kind of faith that is the very reason the writer speaks of the individuals that we see recorded of here. It looks ahead, it looks behind, and it makes all the difference in the present. This kind of faith is best displayed to us by the lives of those who were just common people who followed after God. But they, unsto- they, uh, they withstood uncommon Trials, tests, problems, some of which came upon them for their faith, others just because they were a human and in this world. But nonetheless, their faith was tested by all of those things. And they were tempted, as we are still today, but they came out on top. For example, what was it about the faith of Abel that is so notable to God that he would plaster him up there for all of time? In God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11, look there at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him. Man, just think of that. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. That's true for all of these people we're reading of out of this text. Is our faith really any different from Abel's faith? Stop. Before you say, well, no, no, I mean, he's, he, he's one of the ancient heroes of faith. Stop and think to yourself that question. Is my faith different from his? What does God say about his faith? He offered an acceptable sacrifice. Can you offer an acceptable sacrifice? Yeah, of course we can. With the right frame of mind, the right frame of heart. We can offer God an acceptable sacrifice, is what we're doing here today, isn't it? But we can do it even in a daily sense. A moment-to-moment sense. If we consider the fact that our life is a sacrifice. You see, it depends on what we do with our faith as to whether or not it's like Abel's. It could be like Cain's. What about Enoch? Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him up. Why did Enoch receive the blessings that we're talked about that are talked about here from God? And before he was taken, he was commended. Here's the reason as having pleased God. Wow, I mean, he makes it into this hall of fame. For one reason. Can you please God? Now, now, I understand. I get it. And I've been there just like a lot of other, probably all of us here, have been there, and maybe some still are, where we get to thinking to ourselves, well, no, really, God can't be pleased, actually. God's a hard taskmaster. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I can actually please God. How can you please one of perfection? Because God doesn't expect us to be of our own power perfect. So many people may believe that only a life of personal power and perfection, an absence, in other words, of any falling, failing, in testing, Or even in temptation. All absence of any sin would be the only thing that can please God. Let me ask you something. Then why in the world do you and I need Jesus Christ as a sacrifice? We're perfect because He sees us through the blood of Jesus, not because we live in personal, with the power of over-control of personal perfection. Brethren, it's just not so. Enoch did not please God because he personally was a perfect person. Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. He was a friend of God. Let me ask you something. Did Enoch do some great feat? Was he the leader of God's great armies of Israel? Like Joshua, for example? Who who was Enoch anyway? Did Enoch change the course of the world like Jesus Christ did? Did he deserve to be taken up the way that he was taken up? Did he do everything in his whole life just right? Saved himself by his own arm. Enoch, the Bible says here, chose a life of faithful dependence upon God. You know, he's only described three times in the entire New Testament. I mean, you would think that somebody who deserves to be on God's Mount Rushmore would be somebody like maybe Abraham. He's described dozens of times in the New Testament. But Enoch only three times. Can you and I live in a way that pleases God like Enoch did? The answer? Of course we can. Of course we can. Does your life and mine display a desire to please God? I wish we had time to stop on each one of the characters like this in this lesson and, and, and elaborate a little bit more about them. We can't. In fact, I only have a small piece just within the first 11 verses of this text that I want to just briefly say. Noah, verse 7... Can we be like Noah? No, no, we can't be like Noah. Think about all that Noah did. He built an ark. Ladies and gentlemen, Hebrews chapter 7 doesn't even even describe all of Noah's life. It says one thing that Noah did. What did Noah do? He believed God about coming judgment. Can you and I believe God about coming judgment? Abraham, verse 8, believed what God promised about a future inheritance. Can you and I believe about... Our future inheritance, what God says, Sarah in verse eleven considered him faithful, who promised her conception. Can you believe god well i can 't believe about promised conception personally, but some of you can but but, but but the point is, can we believe that when god says he 'll do that he 's faithful to do, can we do that? You see, this list goes on and on, and if we had time, we could look at all of those, but the point is, as our faith pushes forward, it pushed these people forward to do things and think in ways and believe in things they otherwise never would have done had it not been for the one promising. They believed God. Can you and I believe God? You see, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, God did not record these people so that we could idolize them. So that we could do as some religions have and and, and build what we believe they might have looked like physically and then we can walk up to them in this statue that's there in the church building and we can kiss the feet of these great heroes. These people of enormous faith that we can be nothing like and no one can be like them. That's not why they're recorded here in this text. In fact, it is quite the opposite. God put them here so that we could see without a doubt we can be just like them. God put all these here that we read of in this list not because they were so great, but so that we would understand what makes one great is faith, In the great God that they serve. Can we do that? It's true we can. And it is why God preserves all the stories that we'll look at in the future about some of these individuals. Did they intend to be heroic examples of faith? Or were they just being the best servants of God? they could be. The answer to that question, can we be like them? Lord willing, we'll be even better in the coming lessons from this text. I'd like to end this morning or conclude this morning in this portion of our worship by asking a couple of questions The first one is, is faith hard for you? It's not a shameful thing to say, yes, it's difficult. Um, But really the question is not just is faith hard for you or me. The, The real question is, why? Why is it hard, if it is? Why is it difficult to believe God is who He is? Why is it difficult to have our faith convince us that God will always do what He says He will do? Is it fear? Is it pride? Cynicism? Maybe it is that you've prayed to God about things and He didn't answer when you want it, how you want it. Maybe it's that. Whatever it is, we all need to stop and we need to consider when we are struggling... Why is this faith being hard for me when I know what I know about my God? Secondly, it might do us well to ask God to grow our faith. I used to say that flippantly. I want to pray like the disciples. Increase my faith. I don't think that's a flippant statement at all. The fact is, in asking for our faith to increase, we're asking to be stretched. We're asking to be tested. We're asking to be purified. And that can come in many, 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 many forms, as we all know. But it's always hard. And it's never easy when we ask God, grow my faith. But I will say this to you, ladies and gentlemen, for too long, we may have been hunkered down Life on pause, especially over this past year. I want to challenge each one here to move out of that rut. To expand your faith, to ask or continue to ask God through faith to do great heroic things. Like He did in the lives of those we read of in the Old Testament and in the New. And then watch how God will work in His time and in His ways and by His means. In faith, increase your expectations from God's control. Because one thing we know about God and our faith, God is always in control. You know, there are many who tell us of this. You see all of those verses that I've got. Boy, that is just a slim minority of the verses we could list, right, on this chart. I put them in this form just for the sake of of seeing what those verses detail for us. But it's Jesus, the most important of all of these, who says in Mark chapter 11 verse 23, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you may receive them and you'll have them. Now, you know, I've heard preachers and brethren of all kinds, elders, preachers, and others, read books of how... That's really not true. I mean, that's not really what He meant. I think He meant what He said, don't you? That when we ask in faith, we have what we have asked. Now listen. How He delivers? When He delivers? Where He delivers? Well, that's God's choice. We can pray for quickness... like an eternity for me for you praying quickness on my behalf but still we can pray for quickness that doesn't mean God has to do it the way we say it the how when and where that's up to God but listen brothers and sisters faith in what he says is our choice to believe in faith that he will do what we have asked in His own time, in His own way, and according to His Word and His will. That is our choice to believe in. And that's what faith is all about. Final question this morning. What are you choosing? Is it a life of faithfulness? Or is it a life of faithlessness? I want you to consider your past for just a minute. Well, maybe we should say it this way. Think about the past with regard to these people. You can think about the past in your own life as well, but, but really we're centering on these people. I want you to notice out of this text, you're not going to find the, the redemption of anyone who walked without faith in God in the Hebrews chapter 11. Did you know that? Well, with the exception of somebody like Cain, he's not used a good illustration, bad illustration. The whole point is that he's not going to receive what he'd hoped. Whereas his brother Abel did. We're going to read about those who started somewhere. In some condition. That condition ultimately was separated from God. But then chose him in faith. That's the people of redemption. Consider the future. We're not going to read of anyone here in this text. Who were content to just live for the here and now in this world. But we do read of those who, as chapter 11, verse 10 says, look forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. This morning, I'd like to encourage you in your faith. No matter where we are in our faith, you, me, somebody sitting beside us, whatever it is, stop holding back your faith. Let it overflow in your life. As I was researching for this lesson, I came across a story, well, an illustration really, I guess, but it it was written in story form, of like a hamburger that's really juicy and you bite into it and it just gushes out and runs all over. Let your faith do that. Take hold of it. And let it just gush out. Let it do what faith is supposed to do, which is greater than life things. These people were not people who kind of were faithful, but yet... You know, kind of not, nah, just kind of there in the middle. These people had faith. It's what caused them to be remembered by God all these generations later. Our God is able to do far more and abundantly than we ask or think according to the power that works within us. You know what that power is through the Holy Spirit? It's called faith. Faith matters. Faith matters. Ephesians 3, verse 20. And our cup can overflow. Psalms chapter uh, 23, verse 5. If you need to start your life of faith this morning, start right where you're at. We've read about where these people started. Or we're going to. They started right where they were. But because of their faith in what God was wanting in their life. They were never the same. You and I will never be the same because of faith. Maybe you're in that need this morning by simply coming to God in submission. Having desire to walk with Him, you can begin a life of faith just like these that we've read of out of this text today. I want to say to you, there is no better time than right now with those who love God, those who love you, To do what God asks you to do. You'll never be a person who regrets becoming a Christian and remaining faithful. Faith will make all the difference in your life. If you're subject to that call this morning, hope that you'll take advantage of it right now by coming forward while together we stand and as we sing.